Welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts and I'm joined by Phil Savage and Andy Kelly. We're going to talk about several games today, including Prey, the new game from Arcane Studios, which has come out uh, and Phil has reviewed and Andy has deleted off of his hard drive, so that's good. Look forward um, to that drama. I've just played the demo of. And uh, also Little Nightmares, which I reviewed a couple of weeks ago, and Andy's been playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which has uh, shockingly, shockingly taken over his life. And it's got <laughs> into it in a big way. As well as the lives of millions of other people, by yeah. the looks of it Steam is, stats. Yeah. Two million people. It is the game, isn't it? It's mm. uh, it's very much, uh, yeah, they're probably the biggest, uh, you know, of that kind of thing since Daisy took off in 2014, they 13. made $60 million from it, and... Two months or something. So that's it's ridiculous. Absurd. That is a stupid amount of money. Still, you know, it has. Uh, it's it's definitely resonated as a kind of battle royale thing. Should we start with that game then, Andy? Like, um, yeah. how come you ended up playing it and like, uh, and what is it about it that's really grabbed you? Well, be I'll be completely honest. I saw we'd run a few stories on it, and um, I looked at it and went, "I'll never play that game." That couldn't look less like a game that I want to play. But that was sheer ignorance, based right. on the sort of aesthetic of it, which is a bit. It, it looks a lot like all of the early access survival games that yep. everybody is bored of. And I think that's yeah. why I've stuck away from it. It's because it's... Men right. in plaid shirts do yeah. occasionally wear, uh, you know, punch each other. And that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's and I, and, yeah, and so I you know, we got a, I got a code for it. Um, someone posted a code in our Slack and I went, eh, I'll take it. Might play it one day. And then played it a few times and went, eh, I don't really get this. And then just something clicked and that's all I'm playing. It's mm. It's the most fun I've had in multiplayer since... Z and that really took over my life for about 200 hours as well yeah yeah and then I just so suddenly just stopped playing it um but I guess the whole premise is I'm, I'm pretty sure most people listening to this will have heard of it it's, such as its influence it's been the third most played game on Steam for weeks now after Dota and Counter-Strike which it will never beat because those games are just there yeah mm. yeah um yeah so the idea is that you 100 people 100 players um, a, an airplane is flying over this the map. Uh, it's burning. It's about to crash. Everyone has to jump out, and you choose when you jump out, and that determines where you start on the map. Um, so every match starts with a hundred people jumping out of a plane at various points and scattered around the map. Um, and then the idea is not to die. So it's like battle royale. It's like the Hunger Games. I think I I've never seen the Hunger Games. Yeah. But everyone says the Hunger Games yeah. is like battle royale. So yeah, so it's probably the same. Yeah. Um, I, I once upset a sci-fi writer by saying that on Twitter, and she unfollowed me. Oh, there's wow, a bit, there's a bit of trivia for it's you. A bit petty. Anyway, although, carry I did, on. although I did mute a man the other day for not liking a film I like. So <laughs> <laughs> Twin Peaks Five, walk with me. Yeah, you're right to do it, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to take a hard line with these people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's a hundred people on the map, and the beautifully simple premises don't die and make you know be the last man standing but you get more points for you know the longer you survive so that even if you don't you know don't go into it expecting to be the last man standing because mm. it probably you probably want for the first few hours um but there's fun and just seeing how long you can last like my record's seventh out of 100 which i did by getting in a car and just driving around really fast and trying to avoid people um but there are lots of other ways of playing it the, the it has the daisy thing of the sandboxiness and the constant tension and fear of running into another player. Um, it's slightly different from Daisy in that a lot of the time in Daisy, when you see another player, you they might not want to kill you, and you can form these little alliances and sort of you know the, there's that tension of is he going to shoot me? Whereas in this, if you see someone, they're going to kill you because it's a 
yeah, fight to the death. There's no, I mean, uh, Daisy's strength and weakness is that lack of structure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a lot more structured, um, and sort of the how there's like there's the map is very like Chinaris from Daisy. It's a sort of bleak Eastern European looking landscape of um, there's a big mountain with a radar tower on it. There's cities, there's towns, there's mountains and forests and lots of variation of terrain. Um, but the difference is that when you go into a house, you're going to find something. There's none of that Daisy thing of running around for two hours and finding a rotten tin of beans and <laughs> part of a gun you can't use. It's a yeah. very depressing loop. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this is, it really tickles my some part of my brain that was really tuned into the Daisy thing of never being rewarded. But in this, you walk into a house, you're going to find a gun, and yeah. a nice hat, you know, and a bit of armor. And so after you fall... Um, out of the plane and land somewhere you head for a building you're going to fight get equipped you know mm. but then like the way you play it is i initially started playing it like deathmatch running out and trying to kill people but when i realized that it's just a big game of hide and seek that's when it got really fun where um the play space is constantly shrinking as a circle on the mini map um the idea there is that you can't just hide in a toilet and wait wait the game out the play space shrinks in like a, a big shimmering blue wall of death sort of emerges and if you get caught in it and there's a countdown, then you lose health and eventually die. So the That's idea is that it pushes all the players closer and closer together. This circle starts the size of the whole map, shrinks, 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 until when the last 10 people are alive, it's the size of a deathmatch map. Right. So everyone's right. pushed together. Um, which really, you know, and uh, parts of the map are sporadically mortared, bomb, like airstrikes. So no, you it's like you playing Zeus in uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. three, Andy. <laughs> so you can't just hide, and again, if, even if you're within the circle, you think, I'm just going to hide here and camp out, um, you might get shelled. Um, but it's called the red zone, which randomly appears around the map. So there's okay. very much the, like battle royale. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. I've yeah. Seen that. That's there's yeah. there's the thing where like uh, at set points across the day, like things are declared as like a death zone, yeah. and if you're caught in there, uh, your necklace blows up and yeah. you're dead. That's the same thing then, basically. Yeah. And I, I like that the there's, it's clear a lot of thought has gone into it. Daisy always felt like it was a, an idea that didn't really have much direction it was just like a here's a concept that's not fully been refined whereas battlegrounds immediately feels like a game there's right. rules there's ways of stopping people playing in annoying ways um but yeah it's just like when you play it solo it's it's like hide and seek and it's really tense when you're just um you're hiding you know i just i just like to hide out in bushes and in buildings and just watch scan for people and like edge around the map and try not to be seen um and there's a real thrill in that um but when you play it with, you can play in groups. Um, so if you, I played last night with three other people. It was a squad of four of us, and everyone else on the map is in a squad of four as well. And it totally changes the dynamic of it, mm. where players will naturally sort of go between little settlements and sort of hold a little village, and you know await other players to come in. And then once the circle starts shrinking, move to another settlement. And it, it feels a lot more tactical when you're playing in a group, and it's a totally, almost like a totally different game. Like I, I love both versions of it I really like being alone and just you know trying to use stealth and outsmart the other players but when you're in a group and you're all communicating um, yeah it becomes like it feels a lot more uh, strategic and it's really fun um, and there's vehicles as well um, it, it's based on an armor mod so it's like a yeah I think I've played uh, that yeah yeah it has a lot of the, the best control things from armor which I really like so if you hold alt you can look around without moving your weapon um, you can switch between first and third person. It's like a, it's like a. I think um, someone on our site described it as like an entry level armor, um, which is a great description of it. It's like imagine armor without all the clunky, 
right. simulation it's nonsense and um, it's still a little bit clunky jumping and stuff but it's like armor oh. stripped of all of its right. uh, quite annoying nuance you know what I mean so, why is it in early access then uh, sounds pretty know. complete well they, they are adding content quite const- quite uh, frequently I think the tech as well is, right. um, it, it runs fine um, but there's just some issues with popping and it just feels a bit a little bit of early access jank about it yeah. but they are adding stuff like recently added motorcycles with sidecars so you know you can have a buddy in your sidecar nice. firing whilst you skid around on a bike um, and they're just adding stuff that's constantly I think they're going to add more maps as well I think there's two more maps in the works but mm. the one that's there now is just re- is really good like I think the last night when I was playing with four people the circle had sort of shrunk to this radar installation at the top of a mountain and we got up there first and so it became a thing of like every other team on the map like there was 40 players left all trying to get up to this mm. you know mountain base that we were holding and it was just really tense where there were, there were teams of players coming up like the main road up up the back sneaking through the forest and we felt it was a real siege moment and it was that a great little story made out of you know uh, an unscripted game and it's full of that you know every time you play it you're gonna have some funny or tense or interesting encounter with other players so it's like a real story generator like Daisy in that sense probably uh, a candidate for our next team feature then yeah I think I think definitely especially um, if we yeah play with some try and get a server with some readers or something it could be that could fun. be fun that but could yeah. be fun yeah um, yeah it's, it's it's a lot more streamlined than Daisy. it's a lot less annoying it's more re- immediately rewarding like a match will last about half an hour which I really like um, and once you die, obviously you just go back to the main menu. You can get into a new match so quickly. That's the the important detail where if it was really slow between dying and getting into a new match, I would have no patience for it. But I know that if I die, it's annoying because I have to start again. But um, I can easily jump into a new match. Mm. And also every player starts on a level playing field. You start with no gear, um, which I like as well. So there's no progression system there's unlocks and crates but it's all cosmetic so there's none of that oh, this player's got a better gear than me so um, being tooled up is really a case of just running getting to the uh, when you see a, a building with a door shut chances are it's unlooted so it's going to be full of ballistic vests and helmets and all the good stuff um, sometimes a plane drops a supply crate in uh, and a big red plume of smoke comes up and obviously in the supply crates you're always guaranteed the very best gear like sniper rifles and stuff you can't find or that are rare to find in regular loot so inevitably that's a good mm. place to camp out and wait for players to come in so there's like little uh, micro moments are created by the game where yeah. um, and just the, the constant pressure of the circle as well like knowing how long to push it before the big wall of blue starts coming towards you like out, trying to outrun that thing whilst other players are you know trying to attack you is really fun um yeah, I love it. Cool, it's great. Huh. Well, okay, I'll make sure that me and Phil get on that shit. Then we best get on that shit. Yeah, if it's good. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I so wanted it to not be good because it was called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. <laughs> Terrible. In name. all caps. Player yeah. Unknown's a guy, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll explain that name. I think it's a ludicrous name, but I think they did it because that name has some weight amongst people who went mad for the original mod. He so. made the armor mod, yeah. Yeah, so, well, yeah. It was a mod of Daisy. Actually, it was a mod of a mod. Um, yeah, but imagine Daisy yes. was called Dean Hall's Daisy. Yeah, <laughs> you'd well, you'd yeah. you'd want to. It wouldn't be Dean. Yeah. It would be what was it? Rocket, but whatever. Rocket works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah. So it's, he made a he made a the the guy player unknown. He made a mod for Daisy called Daisy Battle Royale. Then the people that make H one Z one Sony saw it and poached him to help them on that. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And then from that, he joined Blue Hole Games. <laughs> um, <laughs> Filthy. Which is a South Korean company that makes that got him to you know make battlegrounds yeah. so i guess they put his name on it thinking all the mod community who loved that mod yeah but i think well it's only been a hit hasn't it yeah it just looks so. it's just that the it just looks ugly on steam you know yeah as a name but hey but yeah no it's, it's surprisingly good and I, I really went in thinking that name is stupid i don't like that art it's yeah. just it's a popular mm. survival game how could it be good and that turns out it's bloody good yeah the thing that's putting me off is that lots of uk games journalists are playing it and that um, that makes it automatically the worst <laughs> <laughs> well i played maybe with some... sam though you're a misanthrope <laughs> <laughs> i played with some uk games journalists last night and had a bloody great time okay well, fair enough. <laughs> you know, i eat um, my words yeah and it's 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 kind of a little bit rough around the edges at this point, but it's still like it, for an early access game, it feels like it's in place. The idea is in place. It's not like yeah. they're experimenting with what it, what the game is. The game's there. They just can only yeah. add more content and unlike, polish it. Unlike a Daisy, this isn't yeah. still going to be an early access in two years' time. Yeah, I, I'd hope not, but I wonder if it would. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels. I, I, I'd say it's worth the money now. Like what's in it. So they could they can add another map, couldn't they? That could be what they're doing. Like two or three. Yeah, I think they're adding two more maps. Well, that's um, significant, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll get on that shit. Very exciting. Um, so, uh, pray then, Phil. For you reviewed that for us. Uh, you reviewed Dishonored for us as well. Uh, so, you basically enjoyed uh, this uh, sci-fi horror game yes. from Arcane that uh, has immersive sim elements. Yeah, I did um, the thing where I gave it a score of 79, meaning I have to constantly remind people that, no, I did actually like it. Yes, exactly, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you were, uh, with some reservations about the enemy types, you otherwise really enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I mean, I've got a few, uh, uh, like, a few things that uh, bothered me. Uh, it, it's not quite the, like... What I described on Twitter is it's not quite the slam dunk that Dishonored 2 was. Like, that was just instantly a very good game. Yeah. Um, that really built upon, you know, what Dishonored did, which was already incredibly strong in its own right. I mean, Prey is more, I think, complex in some respects, and that, um, unlike a series of levels, you know, uh, meticulously crafted levels, Prey takes place on one space station, and it is a... Um, fairly fairly kind of interweaving space like there are lots of different routes between different places you're going to be going forwards and back you're kind of smirking Sam why? <laughs> I don't know you, you look oh, like you're uh, sorry, I, I, uh, yeah, sorry yeah I just uh, <laughs> something about that amused me I, uh, I can't I can't quite put my finger on it but yeah okay then uh, that was distracting yeah sorry I won't do it again I'll put my hand <laughs> off my mouth now sorry anyway um yeah, it's uh, this uh, just very enjoyable space to navigate. Um, really well put together. I think one of its one of the things I like most about Prey is that it does feel like a real environment, like a very naturally crafted environment. Yeah. Um, I think. Sorry. This I- this is something like in comparison to. Certainly things like Deus Ex, but especially like even a Dishonored is like you sort of know what to look out for if you've played a lot of these like immersive sim type games. Yeah. You know where the vent's going to be or you know uh, if it's Dishonored. Okay, we'll look out for the little rat hole because that means, you know, you can turn into a small animal and go through there. Yeah, okay. I am um, uh, one of the interesting things I heard someone say about the world. It might be you actually um, saying that the uh, it feels like an actual. It's Tom Senior, wasn't it? Mm. It feels like uh, 
a place built by a you know a corporation with a lot of money uh you know for scientific research as opposed to bioshock where it's very much the artist saying look what we can do so in that in that sense it feels like a much more plausible environment yeah yeah it feels like they've been quite restrained in just trying to to envisage this place as yeah like somewhere with history and somewhere that has been designed for for a certain function and the function is in world like it's got a a kind of it's not designed just to create uh like game uh, opportunities right yeah i mean it is but like they hide that slightly better okay yeah yeah so for example like i i just finding the first vent in the game i wasn't able to do um and it's actually ve- fairly well hidden mm. and it's much easier to just go through with like a key card in through this first door that you have to get through yeah i mean you, but, you'll, um, you'll come across vents but they won't necessarily take you to where you want to go like they're, they're just hatches that lead they, they're, sometimes they're dead ends but mm. they've got like a power conduit in them that you can use to just turn the lights on to a place or yeah environments seem very dense as well um like just i mean i've only played the demo but like even that uh the first environment you start in is this very densely packed mm. looping weird studio space yeah yeah and like it uh and with tons of little rooms and like um i was telling you that i found the secret gun in the in, the, in this room and That's actually right, yeah. getting back to that room was quite difficult because I've, the layout like, was so i dense. still find that room particularly quite hard to conceptualize yes just i mean because of the trick of it basically yeah. like, there's a lot of um fake screens and things and it's quite hard to pick your way around mm, yeah um that whole wing, like the Neuromod wing, I spent ages in there just like looking through doors. And there's a, there's a few um, locked doors that have like corrupted keypads that you know that you can't find a key code from because it's all X'd out because something's gone wrong. But you can hack them if you've got level four hacking. Right. And uh, so I was just mucking about up there and wandering into rooms I could get into, and then I'd find myself looping around into one of these doors that was supposedly super locked right and i was yeah. like oh okay that does sort of fit together in that way and it okay it's just quite interesting stumbling into opportunities to find stuff and to get places yeah so in terms of like the weapons you've got in the game and the aliens uh, you're fighting how much mm. kind of like interest is there there in terms of those two things so um the weapons you've got like i think they vary based on their application like there's some really cool ideas one one of them is uh, a thing called the bolt caster um, which is a crossbow, but it's a toy crossbow, and it fires foam darts. Mm. Um, it's completely useless against uh, enemies because it's they just foam darts bounce off them. Yeah, they're big, scary aliens. They don't they don't care about no foam. Yeah, okay. Um, but you can use it to activate panels and computer. Uh, equipment and stuff like it'll activate the touch screen on the computers okay cool. so you can fire it through windows to unlock doors or do various things <laughs> like, uh security or whatever mm. and that's just a, a cool sort of utility um but yeah i mean you know it's it always seems like there's probably two or three other ways that you can do a thing but it's just about like what you're stocking the resources to do yourself like um you can solve a lot of problems by just uh, upgrading your hacking to level four, like you could probably breeze through a lot of things. But I found I never needed to go past like hacking two, really. Yeah, because uh, there was always an alternate solution for pretty much anything I needed to do. Um, in terms of the more traditional guns, uh, the pistol and the shotgun aren't. I mean, they don't feel amazing. Like Is that deliberate? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, I think partly um, it seems that they want the combat to be quite 
protracted. Right. Uh, like a lot of the enemies have quite uh, large health bars, and it's got that RPG thing. You know, you shoot it and you see the number pop off, and only a little chunk of health comes off, and you think, "Okay, I better settle in for this. Yeah, uh, this is going to be an ordeal." And I think that, <laughs> I think that is too much of a problem for too long. Like, um, uh, this is my controversial opinion based on some of the comments and people calling me an idiot for not seeing that it's meant to be like bad combat. <laughs> Somebody literally claimed to me that it was meant to be bad the combat because you were meant to be trying to avoid it. I see. Okay. Which but is it's not really a game that you can stealth very effectively, is it? The stealth detection is actually quite wonky in some places I found, yeah. I mean the stealth is definitely an option. They're like there are upgrade paths for that, but it is not a stealth it's not like in Dishonored where right. if you get the drop on an enemy you can instantly kill them. Yeah. Um I think that's the big difference. So you can get the drop on an enemy and uh, use that as like a means to do like 250% attack right. uh, bonus. Um, but even that is probably only a quarter to a half of an enemy's health bar. Oh, okay. So they, they want you to struggle then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you can avoid enemies altogether. Like sometimes that is like a worthwhile thing to do. But it's always a bit kind of it feels a bit arbitrary when something can see you like those rules are not clear at all and that makes it a little bit unsatisfying if okay. you're trying to, to do it that way um but my main i think one of my major problems were like with the combat is like after you're over that power curve and you've got you know enough tools for dealing with an enemy yeah um like you can find weapon upgrade kits to make the guns more powerful and that does help you know if you've got enough of them um and you can get like a neuro mods which are the ability upgrades and you can get them to make that'll help your weapons do more damage or you know uh, you can pick up alien powers that do um specific uh burst damage attacks uh once you've got all of that the fights actually start to become really trivial um because there's not much variety in how each type of enemy attacks. Right. Like, you learn that, you know, if you're fighting a weaver, which, like, are these really cool-looking, glowing, tendrilled, floating things. Like, they look really menacing and eerie when you first encounter them. But you just, like, you, you learn that, okay, well, what happens is, uh, you know, I need to fire, like, a pistol at them uh, to remove their sort of uh, kinetic shield thing. That'll mean they do a fear attack. All a fear attack is is your targeting becomes really wobbly. Right. So I can use my Psi power and aim a kinetic blast. Uh, and when you do that, it freezes time if you're standing still. It sort of goes a bit super hot. Right. Um, and that makes it incredibly easy to aim, even though I've got this weird status effect on me. And then that'll do a huge chunk of damage. And I just, you know, repeat that until it's dead. Okay. Um, right. Well, that's, that sounds uh, like there's a lot going on there then, if, mm. you, uh, if you want to get... Um deep into it and learned how to counter different enemy types and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, th that's the bit that is satisfying, is actually learning the tricks to each of these enemy types. Yeah. Once you learn, like, the step of processes that will let you take one down without taking any damage, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of cool in an academic sense. It's like, yes, I did that clever. It's not actually necessarily fun to go through the process like that bit doesn't feel very satisfying right okay that's interesting and another problem it's got right is that the uh, basic enemies the mimics aren't very good are they um no they're just like really irritating that they are um so these are the enemies that um just pretend to be a object like yeah. you know uh, they'll be 
uh, they will target anything that they can see when you enter the room and disguise themselves as it. So, like, if you see two explosive um, gas canisters next to each other, one of them might be a, min- a mimic. Right. Um, but all they really do do is then jump out at you and a loud noise plays, is and it's just, like, a traditional jump scare. Yeah, and I, I, I noticed this in the demo, and Andy, no doubt, encountered this as well. But, like... Um it it was irritating that I could backtrack to a location and then one would jump out there and then this thumping, this quite oppressive music would play mm. um, to go along with it for a while after the encounter happened. And it wasn't really tense. It was just a bit... It was like, I think it, in the demo they fixed that music cue problem. About yeah, yeah, yeah. The music yeah. played I, I, for too I, long or I, something. I didn't play the demo, but I um, remember you complaining about it and I didn't yeah. notice that. No, I, mean, I do notice like, the one music sting that happens, which is just like yeah. the very kind of cliche horror jump yeah, scare it's, it's is really happening annoying, noise. noise. I, I grew to hate it. Mm. Yeah. I, I, otherwise, um, I otherwise really liked the demo. Like I, I enjoyed how... I told you early on where that secret weapon yes. was and, and how you can solve like a particular door code puzzle that's very cleverly embedded into the game. Yeah, there are some really cool puzzles in there and there are like, really cool solutions to getting to places and to finding things. And like that stuff is really strong. Like mm. the Having an excuse to go places, even if that's just following like the critical path or if it's doing side quests or whatever, it's always nice to have an objective and try and work your way to it, especially yeah. if it goes through like places you've not been before or you need to sort of vary up things a bit because there are just lots of different ways to find your way into an area. And it's just really satisfying kind of interacting with the environment. I think there's like genuinely the greatest strength of prey and probably the reason why like despite having problems with it especially like around the sort of combat side and the moment to moment and the fact that mimics jump out at you every five minutes for across a 30 hour game and it just gets really boring after a while right um like it's as as a setting and like a series of um, I guess level design uh, problems to solve it's super satisfying mm, cool um, so Andy how did, how come you bounced off it after four hours yeah, I've tried really hard to like this because it's an immersive sim set on a space station which is like <clears throat> two of my favourite things yeah but um yeah I've I've, I've tr- tried playing it like six or seven times and I play it for a little bit and I just get that thing where you just get you got uh, or F4, and you go at, you're like, I'm not gonna like this. Um, I think initially the setting, I didn't believe in the setting at all. Like, when I, you know, in Alien Isolation, I immediately went, Sevastopol is a place. I feel like I'm in, I'm in a place. Rapture as well, you know, even Karnaka, um, and all these great similar games. I feel like I've, I've entered a place here. This it's a constructed world, whereas this, I just felt. The op- exact opposite yeah, of what you say. said. Really I just felt like I'd, yeah. I'd entered a space created by a level designer for a, a right. game to happen in. Um, I think uh, this is mainly artistic. I don't think when I heard that it was going to be a space station with an Art Deco style, I was like, that sounds super clever. But I don't think they really go that far with that. Um, I think uh, stylistically, it's a bit inconsistent. It just doesn't have a really defined art style that makes me just, you know. That makes it okay. stand out. It's less Art Deco and maybe it's a little bit more. It's a very contemporary version of, of I don't know Art Deco, but the, like the Art no, Deco like period bits are 
like almost entirely in public facing areas like it's in the lobby or the yeah. offices but then the, the offices the, it's kind of like it's a little bit 60s and there's yeah. reel-to-reel tape players yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a little the, bit like the, the 60s bits of aperture science you know when you in portal 2 when you go behind for the time periods mm. but yeah i just didn't feel like there was a coherence to it that that a lot of my favorite game settings I mean, have they they explain that to me. They, they, I mean, this is going back to when I went to see the game for preview a long time ago. They explain that as like, oh, we want this place to be um, this space station to be a space that has been in effect since like the sixties. Uh, it was developed after Nixon JFK wasn't. Oh no, JFK wasn't assassinated. Yeah, there's a portrait of him with gray yeah, hair. There's like, the, uh, oh, yeah, there's like. Are they suggesting that uh, America would have been in space had he not uh, living in space had he not uh, been assassinated? I mean, they might be. And I think the, the idea is that the space station was like government controlled, but then they wanted to get rid of it. Then the it was originally yeah, it, a yeah. Russia slash USA joint project Transnet, that the uh, USA took over, yeah. and then yeah, Transcall or whatever it's called took it over as a private thing after the aliens happened. Yeah, um, yeah I just I don't really enjoy. It. There are quite interesting little like touches into how everything is laid out and where the art style kind of encroaches and becomes like this lavish art deco thing and you mm. know it's it's when you're sort of in like the shuttle bay is one because it's like where visitors would come but then if you go to the cargo bay that's a very utilitarian very trans yeah, space station look yeah. like um the same with if you go to uh the oh, like the second area you go in after the lobby is the psychoscope room um and because that's like a top secret research area that most of the staff of the space station don't know about it is just again the utilitarian they've not done it up it's just mm. it is the bare bones 60s space station look with right. you know yeah, I never picked up on that and I just didn't enjoy being there and I, and I never I never once felt the urge to take a screenshot which spoke quite which spoke volumes to me because I'm someone who will look mm. at something and go oh that I'll turn the hot off and take a shot at that nothing really made me go even the, there's a bit where you emerge into the lobby yeah, and yeah. it goes are you ready to see the real world and I was like oh and the music stirs and it's just kind of like a bit of space like it was a very like, <laughs> underwhelming it was no you know it wasn't like the screen falling back in Bioshock you know in the bathosphere and seeing Rapture it, spread out before it, you it was an attempt to do that and it was there was no wow I don't to know. it I think they they do that in their own way with the intro which I don't want to spoil because it's one of the best bits of the game but I think that that intro is an, it is that it's version of here is what the world is yeah. and it's very effective I think it's See, a bit, I, that's spoiled for me so I, want, I would have liked to experience yeah, that yeah. not knowing what happened but um, a, a popular gaming website spoiled it months ago Okay, really? <laughs> they wow. did release a video of that sequence quite foolishly didn't they Bethesda they might, I, like, I deliberately ignored all of the yeah, sort of pre-release might, stuff. And I might be wrong here. I think they might have released a video that showed the whole first oh, 20 minutes of the game or something. Stop yeah. doing that. Yeah, well, I think when Bioshock Infinite came out, there was that of the first of your first, uh, you know, entrance into Columbia. Yeah, with, like, with all these things, you can like show the ignore the first half an hour, show the second half an hour, yeah. and you sort of get the game across without spoiling like major things. But yeah, there, there's yeah. apart. From, I mean, the setting was a big sticking point. I just really didn't. But the place oh, yeah, didn't convince enough, yeah. me, and I didn't enjoy being there. Mm. I don't think it look. I don't think it looks particularly. Nicely, there's a lot. Of, it looks a bit like Fallout 4. It has really flat lighting, and everything looks very like sort of. I don't know. It doesn't have a sense any uh, sense of like. It feels a bit untextured. Okay. It looks very like hmm. bland and and lifeless. Oh, the only real problems oh, okay. I think I had with it in that department was like. Um, for one thing, the HUD is incredibly busy at all times, and I, I think you can disable it in any files and stuff. Yeah. But like just. 
just in the moment uh, if you're playing it normally without having to tweak yeah, hideous elements have the, a bit. Dishonored it's, style it's really difficult to yeah. like the customization isn't actually that great. It's um mm. it does do all the things you want to, a PC game to do, but it does them a little bit annoyingly. Like the way you interface with menus and stuff is just slightly annoying. Yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah, apart um, from the setting, I found the enemy types, none of them I found fun to fight. I thought the mimics were annoying. Yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> any game where you fight formless blobs of stuff, I never find satisfying. There to, are a to, few to really fight. irritating decisions as well. Have you noticed that when like an enemy is aware of you and starting to attack you, like a visual effect grays out the color and it really yeah. sort of messes with your visual filter and it's like in, if you're in a low light environment it really makes it impossible to see what you're attacking and it's just like why did you do that exactly yeah. i might try it again but i feel like it's going to be like uh, evil within which we've spoken about before which i started like five or six times and just never it's probably quite a with. good comparison it's like i it's one of those things where i think i like it like in certain moments way more than others and there are there were moments when I was going through just thinking like oh, I kind of want this to be over soon and <laughs> I don't know if I'm having fun like going through it as a moment to moment thing yeah. and then there are other moments like something would happen and I'd be like that was fucking cool and what I did there felt made me feel really clever yeah, yeah that's all I want from games is that positive reinforcement yeah okay well that's uh, an interesting mix I still haven't really played it properly but I, I, I will uh, I will in the near future I think if you look at some of the scores it's getting it has been Vaguely, con you know, not. I guess the race to get uh, scores on the internet. Oh god, been a bit of an arms race. Isn't what it? a, <laughs> what a sad that. time <laughs> for um, my weekend. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I think there's been quite like a range of opinions about it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely not the like you say a dishonored two level. Uh, you know, kind of like big win. Uh, in terms of critical praise, we've definitely got a lot of people like commenters and stuff, readers who felt like compelled to explain why they think this is game of the year for them well, like, why, why this is you know should have got 90 plus and that's fair enough if they enjoy it that much yeah. I think some of it is just kind of a desperation to go back to that sort of system shock style de design development it's you know. very died in the wall PC gaming yeah. uh, style of game and, the, the, and therefore I see why people feel attached to it on that level definitely um, yeah interesting it's interesting Andy that, uh, that that's Mass Effect and Prey that you've bounced off of this year mm. Um, mm. yeah which, both uh, games I really wanted to like as well yeah yeah it's uh, mm, curious it's interesting that you also gave near like the same score I ended up giving Prey because I think I feel mm. about the two games quite similarly and it's like there's a lot of things I like about Nier mm. but like it has a couple of fairly major problems that carry on throughout the entire game like yeah. Nier's combat is just very basic through the whole thing and it's one of the it, it wasn't something that put me off playing through multiple endings of Nier like I spent right. a lot of time with that game but it never quite hit the heights that it could have interesting mm, okay well uh, moving on to our well, not final actually, because we're going to talk about the Hot Wheels DLC for Forza in, in, in a few minutes. But, hot um, damn, uh, Hot Wheels, hot damn. Yes, uh, I've been. Uh, I I reviewed a few weeks ago uh, Little Nightmares from Tarsia Studios in Sweden, I believe. I hope mm -hmm. it's Sweden. If not, that's going to probably sound a bit ignorant and massively offensive. In which case, I apologise. But yes, I think it's Sweden. Um, yeah, so I uh, I played this. It's very similar to Inside, superficially. It's a sad child game. It's a sad child game. Uh, in an oppressive world that may or may not be sad child runs right yes exactly um, the, <laughs> Genre. the key difference is that it's um, you're kind of running in a 3D space so if, I don't know if anyone's ever played the Little Big Planet games on Playstation mm. but um, this this is one of the developers of the more recent ones so it's huh. got a bit of that feel but it's, it's a bit 
nicer to play than Little Big Planet, which always felt a little bit floaty as a as a platformer. Mm. Um, so yeah, you kind of like uh, move in this narrow three D space whilst going through these sort of like uh, individual nightmare levels. So there's like there's four of them, and they've each got a different ty- like an enemy type, uh, and they've revealed two of them. So I'll talk about those because the other ones are best kept as a secret. I think mm. I actually think all of them are best kept as a secret, but you can't really sell the game without it. Um, so there's uh, these kind of quite messed up looking chefs in this really this kitchen with loads of filthy looking meats where they're making all of these are the ones that made you crave a sausage sandwich yes yeah they did yeah yeah because even though they're at one point you as this child character have to swing on a sausage to reach a higher surface and that really made me want to go to waitrose and just buy some of those hex sausages which are pretty good actually Mm, so that's not meant a bit of product placement all sausages are uh, other sausages are available hey if you want to really blow your mind try the heck square sausages oh yeah lawn sausages they're like a artisan version of a scottish favorite okay they're off the hook that's <laughs> that's good advice all the sausages are available that's true but i actually wouldn't i'd never eat their chicken sausages though because that should never be done don't do chicken sausages it does not work um yeah. anyway you're um, tuned in a sausage chat with <laughs> sausage farewell sausage <laughs> um yeah so it's uh it, it you you kind of like yeah basically they each feel like an individual sort of child's nightmare basically you don't have much context for what's going on but you're you're led to believe that you're in some kind of sequence of nightmares that you're on this kind of ship um that's kind of this sort of like vessel underwater vessel thing and you're moving between these areas but it feels to me like this is a nightmare that a child might have or a a combination Mm. of them each level you um get to this point where your character is extremely hungry and thinks she's you know going to die or whatever but then finds some food but what she eats kind of escalates in nastiness it's quite a unsettling little thing they put at the end of each level um but yes um, one of the levels are these chef dudes who chase after you make these horrible noises uh and then another one is these um kind of toy men who are blind and can only um yeah and 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 use their sense of hearing to chase you Mm. and uh there's some very clever little uh puzzles where you uh might push like a, a pot off a surface to shatter to make them go one way so you can run past them that sort of thing and um even right down to if you walk on carpet they can't hear you but if you walk on floorboards they can hear you which i thought was really cool actually um and that was my favorite level but unfortunately it's also one of the first and therefore i think the game peaks a little bit too early right but it's not long enough really to outstay its welcome it's like five or six hours long um and i actually preferred it to inside a little bit even though huh. i think inside is more <clears throat> interesting in terms of um the kind of stuff it throws at you, like the weird little mermaid girl, and actually, as spoilers, you not play the game, but most people have played that by now, right? Like the little mermaid girl, or what happens in the final act, which is just so un- so strange, you just yeah. can't really. Um, it's hard to tell whether it was inspired by it because it's not really been long enough for them to have had that. So, it's, chances are they just have similar influences. Mm. And what I thought was going to be quite a um, a Tim Burton esque sort of quirky, uh, spooky game. It's actually the real deal. It's actually very impressive and in, in how odd and occasionally weird its imagery is and unsettling sometimes. Not very often, but sometimes. Um, and I, um, yeah, I, I really, I really liked it. And I gave it a, sli- a slightly higher score than Inside because I, I did prefer it, even though I thought so Inside nice. is perhaps more memorable in what you see. But it's actually it's a more fun game to play, I think. And uh, and there's, there's a bit more going on, uh, whereas Inside, Inside is very basic in terms of your interactions. For sure. Yeah, this has actually some good little puzzles and uh, yeah, and and, and uh, character interactions and um, yeah. Uh, it's 
yeah, unusual, that's hmm. for sure. That's a pretty good hit rate for the sad, imperiled child genre. Like, it's going great, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, who'd have thought it would be uh, the you know one of the great subcultures of our times? We've got the we've got the the sad house genre and the sad boy genre mm. or sad child genre. Um, yeah, it's really PC gaming. It's you know it's got everything you could ever want. Really, um, I've got all of the. All of the genres. That's true. If, but if you, if you, uh, yeah, you guys enjoyed Inside, I definitely recommend that you play it. It's really good. I really liked it. Um, nice. Yeah, and I think I gave that seventy-eight. So we gave a lot of high seventy scores this month um, in the next issue. But, That's how uh, we do. It is. So finally, then, Phil, I saw you playing the Hot Wheels DLC for Forza Horizon Three today. Yeah, this is a thing that happened, um, but I, I still haven't processed all my thoughts on really. Yeah, um, it looks pretty cool. From yeah, I, I wanted to dislike it, I think, mm. because it looked like it was going to be fun, and there was just like, ugh, fun. <laughs> well, it's sort of like it's it's very novel, isn't it? It's like it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's I think I think it's just a little too wacky in its conception. Maybe it's like Forza for all its dumb shit right um has like some realistic elements like you know they're fairly realistic cars uh because of the forza motorsport the more serious forza motorsport engine yeah and you know it's they are uh sort of hyper real very stylized versions of kind of real world environments yeah uh and now we've just got loop-de-loops and orange plastic tracks all over the place but it's very pretty in that engine but yeah it does look really good and yeah. also it is just kind of entertaining and yeah, i yeah. can't i can't be a buzzkill for too long about it because it <laughs> is it's just quite fun i will say um in typical force horizon fashion completely on point for this series the um the kind of smug uh, just, it's just how pleased with themselves the two like um, voice characters, the two NPCs that uh, are, are supposedly your festival crew. Yeah, they sound so pleased with themselves about putting this island together and doing this weird Hot Wheels thing with mechanical yeah. drive, and it infuriates me. <laughs> like, I do think these are some of the least punchable characters in Forza's history, but right at that moment, they are they are towing the line. What are their names? Other things like I think one's called Kira, and the the one who sounds so fakely Australian that I looked up who the voice actor was and was amazed when it turned out they were Australian. Maybe the voice the, the voice director went. Called. Can, excuse me, Gary. Can you put, <laughs> can put you a really bit Australian into that? Can you really ham go, this one up? Yeah, uh, get, dial it up by ten to twenty percent. Crocodile Dundee. Was actually really annoyed because. <laughs> Weirdly, it sounds like the uh, Ben from Forza Horizon 2, who I despise on quite a primal <laughs> level. The Australian guy in Forza Horizon 3 sounds exactly like his voice actor doing a bad Australian accent. Right. And I really hoped there was like this underlying subplot where he'd had a mental breakdown after I took the <laughs> festival off him by being so good at cars in Forza Horizon 2 yeah. that he'd just sort of assumed this new identity to try and as a kind of form of therapy. I kind of wish that they could play into that and do a sort of like <laughs> Andrew Ryan style so I chose Hot Wheels Island <laughs> like, he decided to build toys IRL on this beautiful Mediterranean landscape mm. and like that was how his you know breakdown. That, yeah that uh, was <laughs> that's a, that'd be a good bit of world building but sadly nothing that like uh, it is like, like just a regular atoll that it's set on with uh with these plastic things interweaving between buildings and stuff like there's, there's buildings and skyscrapers people live here they've right. got to deal with this like 
Yeah, I mean, like, are there a lot of burger places on Hot Wheels Island? I imagine it's probably quite... There's maybe, like, one or two uh, McDonald's, but if you want to get, you know, a proper gourmet burger, not so much. Well, it's going to be difficult. The road system's a fucking mess now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If you want to go to Waitrose to get your peck sausage uh, (laughs) supper, then... It's, it's quite a significant playing space they've built for it from what you show me on the map, though. It looked like they've actually put a, a good old chunk of land in there yeah, to drive around. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it sort of plays a bit like um, GTA Online's recent update, where it's all crazy stunt-based tracks and things that in does midair seem to be the and new that. Novel thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like put that into uh, to liven up an otherwise fairly standard car engine, just mm. crazy tracks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but where uh, GTA's thing is just like custom missions is, is for one thing like this is still like an entire open world space so in between missions you've got you know you can put a thing and like there'll be cars driving the other way and it's like as, as if they've kind of tried to make a traffic system work on this <laughs> insane <laughs> the same hot wheels world how oddly sincere it's well yeah very um, strange so a reluctant recommendation from you then phil i, I mean yeah just a recommendation i think it's um they're quite quite pricey Microsoft DLC, right? Probably, I mean. yeah. I mean, I guess I do question like the, the, the is, we're at that point in uh, Forza expansions where like there's just already a lot of that game out there. Right. And I do kind of wonder how much the loop de loops really add to it. Like it, it looks impressive and it's kind of fun having speed pads and you know doing that sort of thing. <laughs> but I mean, the the plastic Hot Wheels tracks just kind of function like tarmac in terms of handling. So right. it's. It's not that big a departure as like the snow was from the last <laughs> expansion. Yeah. Okay. Even though snow is a real thing that you can drive on, it still <laughs> felt like that's a felt like it had more of an impact on like the actual race handling than. Yeah, you kind of almost want it to increase the speed of all the cars by like a third or something. So it, you know, so it feels like you're driving on plastic, you know, mm. really dense plastic. I don't know. It's, but yeah, it's just a bit weird, is all. But yeah, okay. you know, it's kind of cool. It looks. Mad. It does. It does look like um, some mad kind of modding project. It's mm. uh, it's very impressive. Um, okay, cool. Well, that's uh, that that be Forza Horizon then, which is still not downloaded, and I'm still seeing it's having a few issues running on your PC a little bit with slowdown. I'm running it on an ultra wide screen. Yes, thing. that's very true. That's yeah. Like the ultra wide screen version of 1440p. We have a li- P, so yeah, Phil has a ludicrous screen in the mm. office. Uh, uh, yeah, what, what's its uh, resolution? Uh, Something but so like twenty one something or other by something like I don't know. no it, it's it's um if it wasn't ultra widescreen it would be fourteen forty p right okay, but then yeah. it's just it just keeps extending wide way I think it's like thirty two ten so it's like four k width by two k height yeah it's very it's unusual but quite cool mm. um okay good but a lot of things struggle with it yeah 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 uh, especially forza and prey was having a few issues with it as well right? oh for sure yeah 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 but i mean prey the performance generally is pretty good like it runs amazingly on my home uh, pc with a gtx 1070 yeah um on just a standard 1440p monitor mm. and prey in the office pc uh, in 1440p mode is fine as well like it's it's pretty good yeah. there's like one room where the performance tanks the reactor room and that doesn't seem to be based on its size or anything it just seems to be there is a bug there that causes the frame rate to drop yeah, ridiculously okay. yeah recurring issue oh, mm. interesting i'm sure it'll be fixed yeah 
Okay, cool. Uh, right then. Well, those are those are the games for this week. Then uh, me and Phil will get on battlegrounds. That is my promise to you, the listeners. And then we'll deliver our hot takes. And I'll apologise for uh, bad mouthing all of those UK games journalists earlier. I didn't really, uh, I didn't specify anyone, so it's yeah. fine. They can't have me on that. Um, okay, cool. So we just got three questions this week. Um, so these are from our Discord channel. Uh, first one is from Callum Moore, who says. With the latest numbers from Netflix and a huge growth over the years, they're obviously still exploring ways to grow. Mainly they are doing it through their originals. I've heard loads of comparisons to them, uh, and even companies like HBO or even ESPN. Instead of going down the traditional sports or TV route, can you see them getting into esports, which is growing exponentially? I know it would be much. I would be much more likely to watch esports if it's on Netflix. Uh, what do you think these chances are, and do you think we may see a cheeky offer by them to purchase Twitch or create their own service or channel? Well, okay, well none of us are esports guys, really. So I'd say no. But I don't. No. Yeah, it Netflix doesn't, it doesn't is more seem episodic stuff than yeah. weekly sports. Uh, like yeah, they don't really do live streaming, channels, do they? Such, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah it's not really events. They'd probably do like a good esports documentary or something, but yeah, I can't see it being a place to go and watch. No. Not like a, a sport. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like they seem to pride themselves on keeping things as simple as possible, and you know, as dri- driven and like to add a whole lot kind of live component. If to you've got like, yeah, well, you've got to go to the esports section. To yeah, do that. I, yeah. I mean, also Twitch is if Twitch is fine. Twitch is perfect for what that is. Yeah, like it's it's no, you know, that's it's. Yeah, I can't I can't see that happening. Um, yeah, and also everything relating to esports is basically watch it on the day or no one cares right that's that's essentially how it how it is it's like live sports right i, I think it's like live sports where yeah i mean the, the biggest you get the most out of it if you're watching it live in the moment you know especially if other people or you're with twitch chat going along if you can if you have the patience to follow that absurdity um and then like after the fact people will come up with like you know you can always find articles that are like the best plays and sometimes yeah. you'll go and check out specific moments or specific matches but mm. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so that probably won't happen. That's our opinion, Callum. But um, Netflix is still good, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> just, uh, I, it's such a departure from them. I just don't see what they'd gain from it or no. what we'd gain for it, I guess, either. No, it's, yeah, it's it's yeah, not can't quite see that. The good news is, lads, this question is something that we're much more, but we're much better equipped to answer. Oh so. my god! <laughs> this year there seems to have been an influx of fantastic games released week after week. When you're not reviewing games, how do you decide what games to play when there are so many great titles and not enough time? I'm currently suffering from what I've heard referred to as in-games writing circles. Oh god, they're the worst circles. As a <laughs> shit munchers paralysis, where I can't enjoy playing what is itself a great game because I'm thinking about another great game. I could be playing. Do you play one game at a time or have a few on the go? Uh, I don't know what circles. Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard the phrase. No circle ever been in. Just uh, Jez from Peep Show circles. (laughs) It's the only person I've ever said her say shit munches. You know, (laughs) at least since the nineties. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. There's uh, more to that question, but he talks about his struggles with FTL and The Witcher Three. But um, I, I kind of gave up on trying to clear my pile of shame. Yeah, and, um, uh, yeah. I like. made peace with the fact that I'm the, I'll never finish everything. Just play what you want and enjoy it. Yeah, that's for it. as I long as you as you a few months ago. About it. Yeah. Just completely deleted my backlog from like the Steam category. The little two play thing I was like, nope. I'll play what I need to. If you've got a backlog at home, just delete it. Yeah, that's it. Just play what you want. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've stopped kind of like burdening myself to finish a thing. And uh, yeah, it's like good. if you, if you get bored do that of a bit. game, done. <laughs> don't play it anymore like I always feel like I'm bored of this game but I should finish it I'm like no 
if I'm bored of it, is there a reason mm, I'm bored yes. of it? I'll just stop playing it. I've tried to get a bit better at finishing games this year because last year I didn't. I only last year I only finished like four or five games. This year I've already finished five games. So yeah, like I just finished Stories Untold and mm. Edith Finch, Little Nightmares. See, Rhyme. those games are great for shop indie games are great because you feel like you can accomplish yeah, <laughs> so yeah get some damn games finished whereas if it was all 30 hour immersive sims you're like oh, yeah that's it and I have vowed that I will finish uh, I will actually play and finish Dishonored 2 but I never did the Dishonored DLC so I've got to do that first really and yeah have yeah. to do that first uh, I feel like I, I mean, do you know, it's, it's like the Dragon Age 2 DLC there are story uh, elements that link towards but, Dishonored 2 so you one probably of those, should but one of those Dragon Age uh, 2 DLCs is a right banger the um a Felicia Day one. What's that called? Uh, I, I'm just. I, I don't remember. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying that you know maybe you should. There is a story link for the Dishonored two uh, between its DLCs and the game. Yeah, and also uh, I, 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 I'm just waiting to be in the mood for Dishonored because it's a bit it requires you to properly pay attention, really, and not just you know lie on your side and just you know. Kind of that way with Metal Gear, which I'm slowly working my way through. It's like if I'm in the right mood for it, I can go in and do a bit. But well, sometimes it's easier just not to. Well, not. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but um. With Metal Gear, actually, I eventually got into the mindset of, well, if I get caught, I'll just shoot my way out of it, and then it's done. Um, and then I can at least finish the game and move on. Mm. That was, uh, I, I don't know, I take that approach in that game. But Dishonored feels like something where you want to do it with some class, because there are so many abilities and ways to mess with the ca- the characters. Lots of stories to be found, mm. like yeah. exploring. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, I mean, the real answer to this is that uh, by signing up to review certain games, I can ensure that I complete them. And so <laughs> I can say something about, you know, I can say I've, I've dealt with that now without actually having to worry about it on my own time. Yeah, like Prey. I would have never finished Prey. <laughs> like, just thinking about it, I would have never finished Prey unless I had to, I don't think. I'd have probably got 20 hours in and really enjoyed it. But, like, it would have stopped there while I got distracted by something else. Yeah. Realistically, looking at the rest of the year, I know I'll finish that campaign in Star Wars Battlefront 2 because that sounds like my yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll finish anything else. <laughs> right. I'd like to, um, but I'm, I do plan on actually finish beating The Witcher 3 at some point and Dishonored 2, but I don't think I'll finish either of oh, those. Before yeah, that, that could be years off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never finished The Witcher 2, you know, like that's, uh, I don't know. But again, I've just given up on the backlog and uh, now yeah. I just play ludicrous things. Watch Dogs 2 is one that I thought I'll never finish at and and saw it through at the very end. Like if it was quite rare for a big open world game. I just felt the story was interesting enough to keep me. I was yeah. enjoying Watch Dogs 2, but I definitely got distracted off of it. Mm. And I, I, I just forget it exists. The escalation of sort of like uh, your abilities in open world games can often keep me interested. Because I remember bur- being burned out by games before Saints Row 3 came out, but then I actually thought that the way that eventually brought aliens into mm. it and you had those cool airships and stuff like that meant that it, yeah gradually you, you became it changes the game from the elements they were adding and that was kind of cool but uh, no I don't know the part of the shame thing nah I don't worry about it anymore just play the cool shit what are you guys playing at the moment? <sighs> nothing really after pray uh, yeah, I'm, on, I'm on that kind of just I've got I've got to, to mentally decompress before I start on the next big thing watch some telly yeah yeah okay it's all battlegrounds for me at the moment yeah, yeah I tend to just play one or two mostly one at a time don't really have lots on the go. I'm replaying Broken Sod again. Oh, nice. <laughs> on yeah. my iPhone this time. Um, doesn't really count, but that's a, that's a good game if you're sitting waiting on something. It's like doing mm. a bit of point and clicking on the phone. Mm. But yeah, I've, I think I've talked about that in another podcast. I finished it like 15 times. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Just of enjoy, course, yeah. I just enjoy being in that game. It's like a weird duvet. 
wrapping yourself up in a familiar duvet. Yeah, a weird game. Parisian duvet. Yeah. I just started actually um, the Last Express, that Jordan Metro oh, yeah, game yeah. that's considered one of the best point and click games of all time. I got time, quite right? far in that, and f- found it quite difficult and right. confusing, and sort of drifted away from it. But I really loved the atmosphere and. Yeah, yeah, it's the sad. time the, period and the rotoscoping is quite means means it still looks kind of nice, yeah. you know. It's got yeah. a weird structure, that weird real time structure where you can miss things and things are happening one end of the train. If you're on the other end, you'll just miss it. Like that's weird, but yeah, quite quite interesting. We should probably interview that guy at some point because he what created Prince of Persia that mm. and he wrote the uh, co-wrote the Prince of Persia screenplay. Yeah, like I know quite quite an interesting life. Uh, that's for sure. More interesting yeah. than me anyway. You know, but, uh, <laughs> Um, and yeah, I just finished Stories Untold, so that's. Uh, I need that's to check great. that out. Actually, I, should, I think I need to go back and play a few of the smaller indie games. Yeah, you can finish that in two hours. Mm. It's, it's like watching a film. It's it's, uh, it's I really enjoyed the atmosphere, but I must <coughs> I must admit I found the game part of it not particularly compelling. Um, I like the the number station decoding. That was the only bit of gamey bit I really enjoyed. And yeah, sat- satisfying puzzle solving, whereas the other bits are quite lightweight on actual yes interaction. But, but that required some real like pen and paper solving stuff which I liked even then it doesn't stretch your brain that much does it yeah. it's like and it's quite brief but yeah it's uh yeah it's a cool game um I also think actually we've got we've got one more question but I did want to chat to you guys about uh the recent news on Hitman and Mass Effect as well oh yeah um so Mass Effect uh, according to a Kotaku report uh, published uh, last night where we're when we're recording this uh says that Bioshock Bioshock Bio Montreal mm. has been scaled down um and a lot of people have been moved on to uh, EA Motive which is where they're making Battlefront 2's campaign and that, um, yeah, and that Mass Effect itself is on ice for now. Um, so it sounds like there's no immediate sequel to Andromeda in the works. And it, the next day, um, Hitman's today. future, yes, today, Hitman's future was put into question by uh, Square Enix Montreal, apparently taking a write down on the studio and trying to offload them to a seller. Mm. Um, so, what do you guys think of that? What what is that just a coincidence that bad things have happened at the same time, or is it something about those specific games? What do you think? It's a shame that Hitman is like one of the has become one of my all time favorite games. It's an incredible thing. Mm. It's a shame that it's not an absolute record smashing yeah. success. Yeah, it deserves to do a lot better than it did. And I thought the episodic structure maybe turned a lot of people off, but I loved that as well because it was a real, there was genuine excitement looking forward to the next level, like you're looking forward yeah, to the next it turns Game of Thrones. Out. You're like, what's the next Hitman level going to be? It was like a, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and it mm. forced you to play levels more than you would otherwise as well while you were waiting on the next one. Like, yeah, that model success, really did suit that series, but I can see why. Like, it was very difficult to get that across to people yeah. and. I, I even wrote an article, one of my one of my few apologist articles, where I was like, "No, actually, episodic is really good for Hitman." Yeah, and I was called a shill for it. The things, I'd be happy if did they call you shill savage because that'd be a good one. <laughs> Fuck, they didn't. But, <laughs> if they will now, if their comment, the comments is really clever, they'd have figured that out, Phil. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think I, I wouldn't be. I think I uh, have made a, a, their best and a great Hitman game. I, I wouldn't. I'd be. Wouldn't be devastated if they never made another Hitman. I want them to stay together and make another game yeah. with their particular approach to game design. But I wouldn't be de- depressed if Hitman was done for them because yeah. they've, they've gone out on a. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's a perfect enough, distillation of all the Hitmans, the, the newest one. It's it like, really did seem like they built a, lo- a great platform to just keep adding levels. Though they could definitely mm, have done yeah. another series like yeah. without any worries about the quality of it. Yeah, I think they were only just starting to show that they could probably like iterate 
and experiment with the template of Hitman yeah. like towards the end of the first well the, possibly the only season now like of Hitman the, those last few episodes really did show quite uh, things they'd done with the Hitman with Hitman that they'd sort of never done before over yeah. like five games um, so yeah like the, the prospect of a season two would have been really exciting I think and they even confirmed they were making it like in interviews a few months ago mm. we ran this yeah. in the magazine because that's you know they, they confirmed it publicly but obviously something's happened behind the scenes I reckon that um, the boxed copy came out and didn't do as well as Square Enix were hoping quite possibly yeah because yeah. um, that was always their thing wasn't it the uh, problem is that with the, ep- the episodic model is it works for PC because it's a download only medium but on consoles it, it kind of a bit of a confusing proposition um, where 40% of the audience is just never going to see it. You know? It's potentially a confusing proposition on PC as well. I mean, if you look at Hitman's Steam page, there are like three different buying options, or there were at one point, and yeah, it's like yeah. you, you need to make this stuff as simple as possible, I think. And as a man who had to review Hitman seven times, Phil, how mm, uh, yeah, you, you sad that you won't get to review it a further seven times? Um, you know? that, that's this isn't about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what about Mass Effect then? Is that just a case of this one didn't take off with fans in the way they hoped and now it's gone away? Do you think that's what will happen there? Uh, maybe. Like maybe it is just a case of well let's just take a break and let the let like kind of the you know, the Andromeda uh hot take Osphere die down a bit and yeah. you know, we can reassess however long it is. I don't think it was I don't think it was good enough for that series. Hmm. I think they've come out with the new Mass Effect and it's not as good as the other ones. So I think it's, you know, I'm not, I don't want to poo-poo all the great efforts that went into making that game, but I just yeah. don't think it's very good. It's not a good Mass Effect game, hmm. I don't think. It sounds like Maybe that's why it just, it just petered out, because people just got a whiff of it not being proper. The <laughs> characters in the story just didn't land with people. Um, yeah, and like a limited, limited sort of squad mate selection too, of which are boring humans and just yeah, it just didn't didn't work out. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's sort of um, me anyway. Well, it's a very it's a very hard thing to do, you know, to to follow up in that way. Mm. And like, um, they couldn't. Let's say, like, Inquisition is very different to the other two Dragon Age games, but they got to lean on existing characters in a world. They definitely had the world there, didn't they? Yeah, they're, they're yeah. Like, <laughs> it seems that one of Andromeda's big problems in terms of expectation and that is that to get away from the store the trilogy they had to leave the actual galaxy and go to a different <laughs> galaxy and the fact that they were going to a different galaxy meant everyone was like shit things can be weird now yeah. Yeah. and um that's fair like you do this they're literally advertising this thing as andromeda you like it's in the title you've got to think well surely that means something <laughs> is majorly different and i think they screwed that as well it, yeah, it, it seems so familiar right, i can't talk to it too much because i still not played it but it does seem that um Nothing really captured people's imaginations about that. Like they didn't do enough about being in a new galaxy to make it, doesn't it feel, feel like it. If there, there are places in the original trilogy that feel more exotic and alien than in. Uh, I wonder if they thought, well, no. I mean, what people want is us to make a Mass Effect game, so we'll just make a Mass Effect. But we, you know, because of plot reasons, we have to set it on another Shepard, galaxy, no, it's a different galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's how we can make sure that nobody runs into Shepard. It's a different <laughs> yeah. galaxy, um, and they, but. But every, you know, it's a space thing. It's a new galaxy. Everyone's like, imaginations run well with them, especially because like the original Mass Effect did have hints of like weird alien cultures in it, and yeah, it had the Hanar, didn't it? Had the Hanar. Yes. It had the other one, the Elcor. And this had the bumpy headmen who um, didn't really weren't a particularly inspiring looking mm-hmm. alien design and bumpy it, bone men and sort of uh, cat faced fish boys. Yeah, and it, 
<laughs> they uh, they both sound like indie bands on the mid noughties. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess part of the problem. Yeah, there are so many good sci-fi stories about deep space exploration and going to completely new civilizations, uh, and maybe they just didn't do it good i kind of hope that you'd have like um 2001-esque weird shit go on like yeah. um you know maybe you'd see uh, you just find this got like i don't know like something kind of beeping in deep space and it's an anomaly and you kind of like get these kind of codes or something like that just some kind of like weird kind of <clears throat> bit of like something out there that yeah. so it feels for, foreign and kind they of unusual read, um, you know someone on bioware should have read rendezvous with rama by arthur c clark right because that is a great book about finding a um, a, a sort of cl- a, a, an alien city, like a sit like the Citadel, basically. Yeah. And and the whole book, nothing really happens. It's just a, them exploring this weird alien setting, describing all the mad, abstract, unknowable alien stuff yeah. inside. And like, I mean, that that's the feeling I wanted from Andromeda, where you'd be like, I, this stuff is so weird i can't possibly comprehend it like maybe that's hard yeah, to do yeah. that played, in a third person shooter yeah have you played um torment yeah yeah i think that maybe went a bit overboard with some yeah, of that that's stuff a, like that's it a better was... example of uh, yeah i guess they've got the benefit of walls of text yes. to describe this stuff whereas if you yeah visually a lot of that did not look like what they were describing it was just like yeah. a, a little square asset that like was your interaction and, and <laughs> that can be a, a big long bit of prose explaining the weird interaction whereas in mass effect you can talk but you can shoot yeah, that's all you can really do. Yeah, the yeah. torment was almost exhaustingly dense with weird sci-fi concepts. Um, yeah, but a, a, a nice medium balance between the two approaches would, I think, produce quite an interesting RPG that you could do shooting in. Yeah, I also uh, wouldn't have minded if there was some kind of like a slightly more doomed element to their journey, like the idea that I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe you you maybe don't survive that unless you're very very lucky yeah, or I, always, you, you know. I always thought of it what I would like to have seen as humans come in there and being really on the back foot like in that series of uh, in that episode of Battlestar Galactica where oh, the planet, they end up Earth in a sort is. of prison camp at the behest of the Cylons and yeah, suddenly, yeah, yeah. so I like the idea of turning up on Andromeda and you turn up you can vote get, in Gaius Baltar and <laughs> yeah. everything can go to shit it's like the idea of you getting <laughs> scooped up by some prison ship and just seen as like a weird curio and put in a, a box for some scientists and like the game about you being having to sort of bust out and, and being, being a bit more like uh, being a bit more of a yeah, an intruder yeah. whereas you sort of go oh yeah we're going to have that planet oh no there's a big alien structure on it what do they do with your sibling if you, in the game in terms of like how do how does it handle that? Relationship? They initially they, they get um their, sort of, cr- their cryopod um is broken right it's broken yeah. and they're asleep but they wake up eventually. Okay, uh, it, do they do anything with that or? Yeah, they they just sort of join you, but not as a squad member, but they right. just get involved in the story. I kind of like the idea that like if one of then they it, get used to emotionally emotionally hmm. manipulate you in quite an obvious way. But oh really? I, I'd I like to no if they did like um, a power struggle between the siblings where you had to actually maybe a bit like the landsmeet in Dragon Age where you had to kind of fight over the the, the loyalty of your own yeah. people. Um, yeah, that's hard when one one's been on on ice the whole time while you've been getting your reputation up and then they come oh, out. Oh, that's true, yeah. 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 I don't know. It's but, a- yeah, the, the other one could have been, like, from the start, an autonomous character, become an autonomous character that goes off and does, like, their own version yeah. of pathfinding. pathfinding. And then it's a case of yeah. you've got to win them over to your... Yeah, they go one way, you go the other, and then yeah. you come back together. Like, um, 
and like yeah but I, I mean we're playing backseat game design here but we like, are yeah. but like it, it, it's where a lot of the good sci-fi stories are i mean and tried to bring up Battlestar yeah. galactica because like one of the interesting parts of the prison planet thing was there was you know actual debates beforehand of do we go down there and stop on this planet or do we continue our journey that we don't know is a good idea and yeah that's a great source of tension and and the, and the larger point is that this is the only time anyone will anyone will make a game about arriving in a new galaxy with this much money behind it, mm, yeah. and there are missed you know narrative opportunities like that's that's something that I think everyone can say they felt from Mass Effect Andromeda even if they otherwise kind of loved it or enjoyed the journey like there's still more you could do with that idea that they potentially didn't explore. Um, I don't necessarily think they should have been. Uh, the series should have to go on ice as a result of that because maybe in a second game they could really nail yeah, it. But like, uh, there's no reason why they can't. I mean, Dragon Age Two turned into Dragon Age Inquisition. Like you can always renew focus on a thing, shift things subtly, and yeah, come back stronger it's, because of it. It still looks really nice, and like it's still got this, um, uh, you know, very very good third person shooting for the first time ever, and yeah. The pieces were potentially there, but uh, hey ho, that just seems to be. Uh, I guess it's because it's the end of the financial year or whatever, and people are announcing this stuff all at once. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, we're in May, out, aren't we? So it's, it is just like people are scrubbing the slate clean for the year ahead, aren't they? And yeah. Tomorrow we'll find out that, I don't know, uh, something else is cancelled. I don't know, something else that we like is cancelled. Shit, not. PC Gamer. <laughs> uh, what what have you heard? There'll <laughs> always be a Call of Duty. Yeah, that's true. They will, no matter what. This time with uh, boots on the ground. Um, okay, this is the last <laughs> question. It's the last question. Then uh, it's very. It's about a very specific game, and I don't know if you guys would have played it. Um, basically, got a question for a long-time subscriber called Elephant of Destiny um, in uh, Scotland, who says, uh, "Have you ever played uh, Xeno Clash? Uh, you were discussing interesting game settings and worlds, and that one immediately sprung to mind. You guys played that? Yeah, yes. I played both of them. I, I found." It was an interesting world, but I found the art style repulsive to the <laughs> oh. point where I just didn't want to be in it. As interesting yeah. as it was, it's full of like really like weird lumpen, misshapen mm. goblin men, and everything's made out of bones. And yeah, I, I wasn't into it. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. It was like nicely surreal. Um, a lot of weird concepts that were gradually introduced. Like mm. you just meet this sort of weird alien situation and you kind of eventually get to know what's happening and um, lots of good punching as well yeah, yeah really good punching actually great mm. melee combat I remember that being stand up but I remember just the things I was punching were too weird right okay <laughs> fair enough um, I uh, it sort of came out of that at that time just before PC gaming properly took off again as well yeah it yeah. was in that kind of period where there was sort of some games windows live and yeah a lot of um, studios from like, it's a South American studio I think for Xeno Clash and yeah. you know a lot of uh, the, that sort <coughs> of that tier of development seemed to be quite strong not I mean sort of indie-ish but a, a probably above. with a few, slightly above a few more people in those studios and that and um that's kind of what we were all subsisting on while we were waiting for <laughs> proper, like, full AAA games to come my way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, okay, cool. It was really good, though, yeah. Um, I I think a lot of people were, like, Xeno, were a bit down on the sequel because they did do a Xeno Clash 2. Yeah, that didn't get quite as good a reception, did mm, it? I didn't play it. Um, that might be a good one for us to do a reinstall on at some point, though. Yeah, definitely. I'll be up for that. Which, uh, as a reader of the magazine, Elephant of Destiny would appreciate. Um, I suppose I'll end the podcast with a plug for our current issue, which uh, has Star Wars Battlefront 2 on the cover. Yep. There's also uh, stuff in there on 
Total Warhammer 2, um, a great feature on Colony Sims and a good feature on um, Jedi Academy uh, role-playing server as well, which is really cool. We've also got a reinstall on Pharaoh, is that right? Yeah, it's Pharaoh this yes, month. Yeah, RTS. <coughs> yes, and then uh, uh, I wrote a piece on Fallout 4, the best quest in that as well, and uh, there's loads of good stuff in there, actually. Reviews mm. of Bayonetta and all sorts of things. Yeah, can... Bayonetta is our lead review of all things. Yes, yes, and so now we can do the same with Vanquish. Vanquish. Yes, <laughs> that's out in two weeks. Everything it? comes out on PC now. Fuck um, yeah. Uh, we took two weeks off of this podcast, but we'll come back next week with something else once we're off deadline. We'll probably be very tired. You, uh, you, the listener, at this point will know this uh, <laughs> that this happens every month now, um, that we have a tired podcast at the end of all of it. So keep your questions coming. Um, you can tweet them to our new uh, podcast listening post at, what is it, Phil? It's at PC Gamer Pod. Yes. Um, so tweet us your questions uh, for the podcast. We'll read them out. Uh, and yes, all will be well. <laughs> <laughs>